Welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I am Fred Shankleberg, the host of this RAM special episode. While attending the RAM's 2016 conference in Tucson, Arizona, I had the chance to sit down and talk with Scott Abrams. Scott is the founder, president, and CEO of the Omnicon Group, a worldwide engineering uh, engineering leader in designing, developing, and delivering high-reliability products and systems. Engineers at the Omnicon Group have amassed more reliability awards than any other company in the world. Companies in safety, revenue, and mission-critical industries such as aerospace, communications, defense, energy, medical, and transportation look to the Omnicon Group for innovative engineering solutions. Scott has been recognized and awarded from numerous publications and societies for his contributions to the field of product development and reliability engineering. So join me now as I sit down and talk to Scott about reliability engineering and the Omnicon Group's contributions in those areas. So Scott, welcome to Dare to Know. Thank you very much, Fred. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, well, you know, I think we met at RAMS, I don't know how long ago, I'm gonna hazard a guess, but you've been in business and a business owner, of, make sure I pronounce it right, <laughs> Omnicon, Correct. right? Yeah. Uh, I wanna say over 20 years. It's actually 32 years. 32 years. Oh, I God. know I don't look that old. No, no. It's 32 no. years. So I, I, I mean, I think there's, I don't know. I, I think mean, what you maybe are confused is this is our 20th year exhibiting at Rams. Mm. Okay, I did see that. And so I don't know if I met you the first year, and we won't go there. But I'm glad we had a chance to talk. I had a couple of questions for you. And one of them is, given that span that you've been working in the reliability field, and I, I know you also work in the systems engineering or system or systems type side of the game also. Correct. Have you seen a change in how your clients approach reliability? I think our clients nowadays approach it more, more with a focus on trying to meet uh, customers' expectations of what they would consider to be a reliable product. Even, even the DOD nowadays isn't necessarily specifying everything they want you to do as far as reliability goes on a project. They're telling you what the, their expectations are out in the field. So it should work for five years and it should have this. And it's, and it's up to you sometimes to formulate what is the right plan to ensure that we're going to meet that requirement? And it's not much different than what we do in, in the medical device industry mm -hmm. or the communication industry. Uh, commercial aerospace is very interesting because almost everything you do reliability-wise there feeds the safety analyses that you need to do to get airworthiness certification. Mm -hmm. And the reliability has to do with the reliability scheduled maintenance that they have, which is called the MSG3, and dispatch reliability. They're obsessed with what is the dispatch reliability. That is, what's the probability that this aircraft is going to be able to get dispatched on, on this flight? So We've it, got paying customers. Right. So the airlines... So that's the on-time statistic. Ex exactly. And, and dispatch reliability inherently of an aircraft 
plays into that on-time statistics. And that's where kind of reliability falls in in the commercial aerospace world, which mm-hmm. is, again, a little different than the focus on, on military programs. Right. And then consumer products, is they focus on warranty and warranty expense. And But again, it's that what you mentioned was that it's a change in your experience is the focus now on what the customers are defining reliability to be, what their expectations are. That's correct. What, what was it before when you first got into the business? I think in the commercial world, they really weren't that focused. You know, when I'm, I'm talking 30 years ago, the commercial world wasn't that focused on what the consumer's expectations are. I think the growth of the internet and the ability to vo- people to easily voice their opinion on good, bad products out there mm-hmm. has woken up uh, manufacturing design firms to produce better products because you and I now have a voice that is heard all around the world if we're happy with a product, if we're not happy with a product. The greatest technology marvel out there means nothing if when the consumer goes to use it, it doesn't turn on, it doesn't work, it fails to perform as advertised. Right, right. It doesn't matter how great the innovation is if it doesn't work. And uh, companies are finally waking up, and I shouldn't say finally waking up and realizing it, but there's been a transition over the 32 years that well, okay. the Omnicar Group has existed seeing that. Okay, okay. And you mentioned in the DOD is they're changing also to not tell you what to do, but to focusing on outcomes. Is that similar to the... Uh, the British, the Mil- Ministry of Defense standard that talks about uh, reliability case, where do people ask you to, to rationalize the estimates or the, the designs from a reliability point of view, as opposed to just saying, run this demo test and you're done? No, I think, I think the Brits are doing it a little differently. Um, my experience with the U.S. DOD programs is more having to do with... Um, Logistic support, what's, what's the 10-year, 20-year, 30-year life of this product going to be? But logistics uh, meaning the spares, allocation, well, the maintenance more, requirements? More than that, the, the total logistics cost, including what is the availability of this system? Okay, so mission readiness what's its, kind of stuff. Mission readiness, what's its, what's its um, lifetime? What do we have to do to ensure that it's going to have? I, we're still flying B fifty twos. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah, there's a few really old craft flying around in my neighborhood, but you know they still I, they still you know, work. And the the other point I want to make, Fred, is it really varies from program to program. There's there's no single cookie cutter approach. Um, even the DoD, what they do on one project is not the same as what they'll do on another project. It, it'll, vary, it'll vary on multiple Army or Navy programs, and it certainly varies, you know, the, the, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. Um, they all do things differently. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and part, part of the game is knowing, again, what their expectations are and having a communication channel with them as soon as, you know, if, if possible during the proposal phase. Right. If not, at least after the project is captured, right. having the appropriate communication channels with the, uh, 
the colleagues that you're going to be working with and trying to satisfy. And that's that's the same with medical devices or consumer or aerospace. Absolutely. Anybody, it's 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 one of my favorite questions, and I'm sure it's yours. Well, now what do you really want? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, here's the spec, but what does that translate to in your mind? How do you define that? How do you put that? that, that that's a hundred percent correct. Um, that and that is coupled essentially with poorly written requirements. And, and they're poorly written because the customer wasn't able to put enough time and to fully articulate everything he wanted. So, you know, yeah. we've seen so many programs fail, and I don't mean fail because of reliability, just in general mm -hmm. fail in the development phase because communication mm -hmm. wasn't what it needed to be on the program. And if you can get everybody at the table and everyone voice what they're really looking for, it goes a long way to uh, getting success. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You were also seeing the dynamic, though, of, of more and more outsourcing of design. You know, so you go to a tier one or contractor, but they have their tier ones, and they go down the cascade, and you know, the power supply may be five or six steps away from the communications box that you're, you're putting into the aircraft. That communication becomes critical. But how do you deal with that? If your client is, is outsourcing, uh, say, the design of a power supply, and then that vendor changes the requirements or misinterprets it, or is, I mean, how do you work so, with these so groups through the, that process? It's, first off, it's requirements management. And, and part of requirements management is flowing down requirements, flowing down, them down correctly, allocating the requirements correctly between hardware and software. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for lots of our customers, we design their power supplies. You know, <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, you know, I wasn't thinking on oh, your power over, supplies. <laughs> you know, 32 years ago, when the Omnicon Group got started, our specialty was reliability, maintainability, and safety. Mm -hmm. But for over 20 years, we have been designing embedded software for mission critical, revenue critical, and safety critical systems. We also do electronic hardware design. Everything is focused with having essentially reliability in our DNA. We have a mm -hmm. team of electrical engineers that do complex electronics. They do FPGAs. So, you know, we're, we're not, we're not just uh, a reliability, maintainability, and safety organization. We're an organization focused on that that provides not only those services, but products that couple with them. Yeah, which is, is most companies start with good designers and then you add in the reliability aspect, whereas you started with reliability Correct. to a large extent and then brought on these other services. Well, what got you into that? Was it specific requests or opportunity? Or? Well, I'll, te I'll tell you when it first happened. And, and it first happened close to, I. 25 years ago. Okay, so and, early and, in the and group. we were working on a piece of electronic warfare equipment for one of our customers. And we were doing an FMEA. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty detailed level FMEA. And we were talking to the systems engineers, talking to the hardware engineers, software engineers. We knew how this entire system was supposed to work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when they got into the lab and started integrating all the pieces of the system, it didn't work. 
And and and, Bummer when that and I was having a conversation with the program manager one day. He was telling me what was going on in the lab. And um, like on many programs, the software engineers knew the software, the hardware engineers knew the hardware, the systems engineer knew the system at a very high system level. Nobody knew what everything was supposed to do. If I was responsible for designing the circuit board that went into the system, I was given a spec or requirements for that circuit here's board. Your I designed inputs, it. Here's your I verified it worked right. Here's here's right the inputs, the outputs, what it's got to do, timing constraints, everything it's got to got to do. I don't guarantee it's going to work in this system. That was somebody else's responsibility. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. what people would say. So. That program had um, a number of problems, and we essentially were asked, can you come into the lab and help us with the hot... The Famica had so much detail in it on what was supposed to be going on. Mm -hmm. it's, it essentially represented what the implementation was supposed to be, right. but what was in the lab was not wasn't what, what was implemented. So that job, we went into the lab, and started working with the electrical engineers and the software engineers, and we were successful in, in getting that system working. Mm -hmm. And that was the start of the Omnicon Group providing embedded software engineering and hardware okay. design okay. to companies. Interesting. And that's 25 years ago. Well, that's an outcome in FMEA I've never heard, so yeah. that's cool. It's been good for business, too, it takes. It's been excellent for business, yeah. Yeah, good for you. No, I, I, I've heard of all, I've used FMEAs oftentimes to help the communication for that, I call it a white space problem where, you know, I'm doing just the circuit board, but the integration gets lost. So FMEAs, like you, in your case, really highlighted that as an issue. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we use FMEAs for many things. We use FMEAs to support uh, de detailed uh, bid analyses. Um, even eye level analyses, fault detection, fault isolation, false alarm rates, and then we'll use that to come up with a better piece of test equipment for our customers, which mm -hmm. is something else that you the Omnicon Group provides. Because <laughs> we know how things fail. That's and right. what do you think a piece of test equipment is? It wants to find those failures as fast as possible. I remember projects that we worked on 32 years ago when, when we ran a test program on a, on a piece of complex equipment, it took over 14 hours to run. Oh, wow. If it's going to take 14 hours to run, I don't want to find the problem when I'm into the software 13 and a half hours. Can we find 90% of these failures in the first hour at least? <laughs> you would hope so. <laughs> you certainly would hope so. All right. So, you've been in the business a while. You've seen some changes, and 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 I don't know if our listeners knew that you were that much into the design side, um, but you're also involved quite a bit with like IEEE and other professional societies. You know, how have you seen the uh, the dynamic of the professional societies, the role of say IEEE Reliability Society? Um, how has that changed over time? I think every professional society right now is struggling a little to figure out what is the best way to serve their membership. Mm -hmm. I've been part of the IEEE Reliability Society, uh, I think it was 
20, uh, 15 years ago, I was named Reliability Engineer of the Year. And a year after that, um, I saw that the Reliability Society was looking for people to come on to their management committee, mm-hmm. the administrative committee. So I threw my name in the hat, and I was elected to that position. And I'm, in one way or another, I've been on the administrative committee or the executive committee for the last 15 years. So in 15 years, I've seen lots of changes. And again, I don't want to hop too much on the internet, but the internet has changed a lot of it. Well, this podcast is is part of that change. That is correct. (laughs) This podcast is part of it. You know, years ago, you belonged to a, you know, a professional society because that was a very easy way for you to get technical knowledge mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't have. And networking and, and camaraderie, fellowship, all of those all, aspects all come those into play. All those things. And um, I'll come back to that in a second about networking because I have an interesting story to tell you about okay. that. But it has definitely evolved. Um, professional societies are trying to figure out where they fit in now and what is the best way to serve their membership. And, mm-hmm. and every couple of years, we send out a pretty in-depth poll to the members of the Reliability Society, you know, questioning them, you know, where, where can we provide more benefits to you? We're finding, um, I mean, what we've seen so far is conferences. They, they, they're, they're big on conferences and symposiums, and we've been taking some of them worldwide. Mm-hmm. Instead of, uh, you know, the IEEE is an international organization. Right, right. So we don't just have Reliability Society sponsored events in the United States. We, we have them all over the world. And we've got one coming up in Ottawa in, I believe it's in April, the prognostics and health management. This, the snow should be dissipated by, well, maybe not. But if you go onto the IEEE site, there's a calendar that you can do a keyword search for just reliability. And there's conferences, not just from the Reliability Society, there's conferences from all kinds of different disciplines That's that, could, that talk about reliability right. work. And, and the Reliability Society, like, let, let's take RAMS. We're at RAMS right now. The Reliability Society is one who's sponsoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and they societies. are the hosts for the papers that get published and right. all but that we, stuff. We only have 10% ownership, I believe, of RAMS. So we one in nine now. It's is it one nine? of the societies dropped out. Yeah. Thank you. So... Um, we don't necessarily have a hundred percent. We have we have conferences that we own a hundred percent of, right. and others we just have a piece of. Right. You see more so and more some, partnerships so those, like that. Yeah. So and listen, companies partner. Why shouldn't you know professional societies um, do that? But I, I wanted to get back to networking for a yeah. second because something happened. Um, about five years ago that I saw that like was an awakening to me. I, I knew a gentleman who was in industry and he was in industry for his entire career. Mm-hmm. And he decided, he, he was a general manager. He was way up there and he decided he wanted to do something a little differently. So he contacted some people he knew and he was able to get a job through his network. But the interesting part was because he was a known entity, not only did it help him get the job, he didn't even need a resume. Mm-hmm. He, he was already so well-known. So uh, can you imagine being so well-known and a leader in your field 
that you can make a phone call and say, hey, Bob, I decided I want to try out another phase of my career. I'm interested in doing something like this. Do you have any openings? And, and they bring you in, and you don't need a resume. You don't need anything. That's what, that's real networking. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah very true. You know, that's the goal everybody should have with, with their, their networking objectives. Well, that's part of uh, the Rams experience is we get to meet people, but the, it's still, and I'm sure your friend also then exercised that network, stayed in touch, helped people answer problems and so on. So networking is, is built through that, time. That is absolutely correct. And he probably, you know, he gives more than he gets. Right. And that's the key to yeah. being successful in networking. Yeah. It's yeah. not about you. It's about everyone you're trying to help. Yeah, and, and it's the same for business, I'm sure, is that if you can over-deliver to some extent, it's, it, customers, customers will come back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so that works. All right, well, Scott, well, I appreciate it. We talked about a little bit about your company, so hopefully we plugged that enough. I'll add some notes and links and make sure. Is there a, better, a best way to get in touch with you and your folks at your, at your group? Well, we are exhibiting here at Rams. This is okay. the, our 20th year being here. So I expect you'll be here next year, too, wherever Rams is at uh, that We're time. in Florida next year. Florida next year, all right. Um, but uh, www.omnicongroup.com, that's O-M-N-I-C-O-N, like in Nancy, G-R-O-U-P.com. Okay. And you'll find everything about us there. And There's and, a contact and info and everything is on there. It's all there. Yeah, you have a bunch of cool pictures on there, too. Are those all projects you worked on? Or yeah. Are they, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just checking. I just had somebody. We, we did a PowerPoint presentation with somebody, and there was, uh, he's in the transportation business. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, he, he saw a, a presentation that we did. And it had a U UAVs. We've got a two and a half minute video clip. Mm -hmm. So the video clip ends and he goes, what a great clip. Now tell me the truth of what the program worked on. I'm like, <laughs> just pointing everyone at the slide. you saw, he goes, you don't work on drones. And I said, hell we don't. And I went on and told them everything <laughs> we've done on this drone program. <laughs> no. Well, that's great. <clears throat> Well, thanks again, Scott, for Thank you, taking Fred. some time my to pleasure. chat. Absolutely my pleasure talking well, to you. And have a great time at Rams, and we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll run into you next year. Enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, welcome to Tucson. All right. Well, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks, Fred.